Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crashing against the bay. But it's not just any bay. It's a bay watch because this is a spooky Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Spooky Baywatch Rookie School, a spooky Ooh. podcast for two not spooky Ghosts. men. <laughs> Ooh, who have never watched Spooky Baywatch before, try and watch a spooky Baywatch. I'm Spooky Michael Eisen. And I'm creeped out Morgan Throut. Oh, that's just weird. I don't like that. Yeah, no, I said it and then I regretted it, which <laughs> honestly, I think is my motto on this podcast. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but in addition to being a, a very spooktacular episode Ooh. full of haunts and ghouls and things, I believe this is a special episode for another reason. Am I right, Michael? Whoa, is it? It sure is. I was giving you the lead in to introduce oh, the guest. Oh, okay. Well, but yeah. I can do it too if you'd prefer. I mean, I can, I, I, I can do it. Parker, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on here. I'm excited. Uh, we're very glad. Um, that sounded not very spooky, though. Can you try again? I'm excited. There we or a go. Poltergeist <laughs> or something. Spooky excitement. <laughs> Woo! Wow. So. So, Parker, this is your first ever watched episode of Baywatch, correct? That is correct. I very purposefully came into this watching nothing of Baywatch at all prior to this. Do you feel like that improves your experience? I will say also that is dedication. You know, spending your entire life not watching Baywatch <laughs> just for our podcast. I'm personally I'm personally very touched and I appreciate it. You're welcome. You know, when I grew up and was born and I didn't even know you guys, I knew this was gonna happen in my life. So I purposefully avoided it for every day of my is life. Is that because her parents owned a book that told the history of your life? Maybe a book yeah. that talked about ghosts in it. Well, it had my entire history to some degree. Nothing about ghosts, unfortunately. That was the bit that I was missing. Mm. It needed more ghosts, which is why yeah. we got this episode. It gives me more ghosts, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> do, you think, do you think they wrote this episode so that you could end up doing this podcast later? Oh, I paid them to write this episode just so I could do this podcast later. In what, cocaine? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well... Who did he pay in cocaine? Well, uh, he paid David Brath, no relation to Zach, to write this episode, Baywatch Season 4, Episode 14, Coronado del Sol, Part 1. And you know who we also paid off was director Gus Traconis. Uh Now, Morgan, um, I realized that we've talked about Gus Traconis, like many times. Like, we just threw his name out, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I learned that there's actually quite a bit to know about him that may surprise you. Do you want to hear about that? Yes, please. So I discovered the other day, not sure how I, di- how I didn't know this. He was Goldie Hawn's first husband. Oh, yeah. Really? Okay. Seven years. And they wow. met because he was one of the sharks in West Side Story, not Grease Morgan's mom, West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, he played wow. he played Indio. I don't know that role, but like, huh. uh, it's one of the forgettable roles, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I mean, I, I've never seen West Side Story, and I should fix that. But, um, you know, if you know that role, well, that's him. Anyways, uh, they separated yeah. in 73, and she went on to date other people. But they didn't divorce until New Year's Eve of 75. Quote from Gus, she went off and did all kinds of wild, weird things. She was running around with Warren Beatty, Barbara Streisand, and Jack Nicholson. The 1%. It was not my world. I was out of step with them, so we grew and split. Then she called me one day and said, I want a divorce. I asked her for 75 k and she screamed, how dare you ask me for that kind of money? She was making millions, and I owned 175 bucks. But after she had her freak out, she realized I wasn't trying to gouge her, and it was more than fair. The whole thing was painful because I loved her. So... Huh. Wow. Go. Okay, then. Gus. Go. Something. Yeah. I go. I Gus. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Anyways, but this episode aired January 31st, 1994. Let's talk about some guest stars. So first off, Stephen Held played Rupert Mansfield, uh, who is an important character in this episode. Um, you may know him from things like Charlie and the Doctor, which has this cryptic plot. Anna has had enough of her two-timing boyfriend, Charlie. Unfortunately, a murder can't go unnoticed in a town as small as Lordsburg, New Mexico. The town doctor might be persuaded to make it all look like an accident, but Anna only has one thing worth trading. And it doesn't say what that thing is. Like, is it sugar? You know? <laughs> is it love? Love? Is it gold doubloons? I don't know. Ooh, I hope it is. I do hope it is gold doubloons. Um, <laughs> right? If it was a pirate, if Charlie and the Doctor was actually secretly a pirate movie, best movie ever. That would be awesome. Absolutely. I feel like more movies should secretly be pirate movies. Like, I want to, like, get 80% of the way through, like, I don't know, a uh, uh, Gus Van Sant movie and then realize <laughs> that it's been about pirates the entire time. Let me. Or how about like the Princess Diaries, but oh. all of a sudden pirates? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Let me throw another idea out uh, out here. Lars von Trier pirates movie. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. That would be fucked I. You know, the, everyone says the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise is dead. But what if we let Lars von Trier do one last entry in the series? <laughs> Look, William Defoe would be a fucked up pirate who's like seeing alcohol visions. It would be awesome. Yeah, I would I'm pay money to see I that. Watch it. <laughs> um, you might also know Stephen Held as airport traveler uncredited in Touch and Go, starring Michael Keaton, where an ice hockey star is accosted by a young, a youth gang, sorry, who attempt to rob him. After he chases them off, he catches the youngest member and gives him a ride home, where he meets the boy's mother. A romantic plot ensues, as well as confrontation with the gang leaders. Uh, Boy, that sounds awful. It sounds very bad, uh, but <laughs> yeah. apparently people like it. I don't know. I can't imagine <laughs> liking that. Um, no. Sounds horrible. Um, also, next up, we have Mel Stewart, who plays Captain Mel Dawson. You may know them from a movie that could not exist anywhere outside of the 90s called <laughs> Pentathlon. It's 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 like Penta, but then T-H 
Pentathlon. So it's pentathlon. Pen- pentathlon, okay. yeah. A really but, long triathlon? But no, no, it's not pentathlon. Pentath- no, because there's not an extra A. It's pentathlon. Not pentathlon. Oh. Huh. So a short pentathlon. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, the plot is an Olympic gold medalist escapes the U.S. only to be tracked down by his ex-coach. That athlete, Dolph Lundgren. And uh, the poster has a picture of him with a pistol. I'm not sure which Olympic sport uses the pistol, um, but it sounds exciting. Exciting Olympic sport. You may also know them as a butterfly boy in 2001's Nailed, where a clothing designer fights to keep her Jewish-Italian family together when her brother decides to have a child with a woman he barely knows. Uh, this movie stars Harvey Keitel, as well as everyone's favorite actor, Joey Travolta. Uh, oh. Yeah, you all love Joey Travolta. Um, also, they were in The Man With No Eyes. I have now described to you their entire filmography. Uh, huh. Okay. Oh, um, they didn't do much. <laughs> they didn't do much. Uh, next, yeah. next up, John Lindstrom plays Keith Travis. You may know him best as Superintendent Jim Powell in God's Not Dead 2. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but actually, he's known for uh, General Hospital. So mm. long running, you know, soap opera. He plays the role of Ryan Chamberlain from 92 to 95 and 98 and then from 2018 to the present as well. He also played plays Ryan Chamberlain's identical twin brother, Kevin Collins, from 1993 to the present. So, wow. And both of these characters were also in the spinoff show, Port Charles. So, the Ryan character is a pediatrician who then becomes a serial killer, while Kevin is a doctor who then becomes a detective to try and stop his pediatrician serial killer brother. Sure. All right. Sure, why not? That's a movie plot. (laughs) But it's a TV show plot. So uh, (laughs) he was also on the show Square Pegs, which was from 1984, which is mostly notable for being the first big role for Sarah Jessica Parker. And oh, okay, it's Mm -hmm. awkward teenage girls trying to fit in at high school. Makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Or maybe you know him from Point of Seduction Body Chemistry 3. Great title. Where movie producer Alan Clay wants to make a movie about Dr. Claire Archer and her amazing life story, which is that she's been forced to kill two men in self-defense. Claire falls Ow. for Alan, and Alan cannot resist temptation. So now he's hiding an affair from his wife, Beth. When the movie's writer investigation when the movie writer's investigations undercover undercover uncover new facts in the killings, Claire senses the danger. And responds. I don't know what that means. And re- does she kill another guy? Is probably. That, that's probably the three in the body chemistry three. Um, yeah. Uh, but most importantly, he starred in What's Happened Next with our old pal, Wendy Malik, where Paul, <laughs> a closeted and self-unaware CEO in his 50s, retires and begins falling for a younger man half his age, whom he meets in a dog park. Uh, confusingly, this film is also shown on posters as being called You Can't Have It All, so I don't know what the actual title is. 
Um, <laughs> now, lastly from my list is Chance Michael Corbett, who is back as Kyle Buchanan. Refer mm-hmm. back to season two, episode five for notes on him. Now, Parker, I think you have some stuff to tell us. I do have some stuff to tell us. So I was given the assignment of researching one of our guest stars here, John Beck, who plays Buzz Buchanan, Kyle's father, who somehow was not present in the previous episode that Kyle was around in. Nope, that was uh, Tim Thomerson. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do remember. Good old, good old Tim Tom. <laughs> Well, they probably did an upgrade by adding John Beck into this. I'm not going to be able to go into his entire filmography as he has 111 actor credits on IMDb between 1963 and 2009. And I think this is part of the reason he ended up being in this episode. He is that character actor from the 70s and 80s, or more specifically, probably his mustache was the character actor (laughs) from the 70s and the 80s. So you'll be yeah. He is he has got some Tom Selleck level mustache yeah. in this. Oh, very much so. And like, if you look through his filmography, he's on The Love Boat, Partners in Crime, Fantasy Island, Flamingo Road. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Call of the Wild, Hawaii Five O, the original, Mission Impossible, the original, Gunsmoke. But like any show, we're like that guy needs a mustache. Let's get John Beck. <laughs> <laughs> But I do want to call out like a handful of his um, shows and movies that he was in that kind of stood out from all of this. Oh, yes, please. Mm -hmm. So he was most famous for his role of Mark Grayson in the TV show Dallas, the original airings. So he was in 67 episodes of this. And the reason I want to call this one out, besides that he was in a lot of episodes, was just his story arc in that show was hilarious. Um, He ends up getting a disease and dies in season eight. Season nine, in true TV fashion for this era, he is revealed that he faked his own death, but is still looking for the cure for his own disease. Okay. Yep. It gets weirder. Oh. (laughs) In season 10, they're trying to bring back one of the former actors from there, Patrick Duffy, um, to come back into the show. So uh, as they were doing that, they decided to resequence the entire ninth season as a dream sequence of one of the characters. So his coming back from the dead was then written back out and he stayed dead for the rest of the show from that point (laughs) forward. Wow. It's spectacular. I like it. Oh, so much so. What if they did that to Baywatch? Like what if everything was like the dying dream of Al who dies in the pilot? Like right before that, <laughs> blows up or whatever, or or he drowns, or I don't fucking care how he dies. He dies. That's the point. Um, it's just like, wow, he had a lot of really sexy dreams about his friend just sleeping with countless yeah. women. Yeah. You know what? If that's if that's the way I have to go, that's the way I have to go. <laughs> Drowning explosion. I was just saying, like dreams of friends having sex. No, that's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I uh, do you have anything more to tell us about uh, Mr. Beck here? Yes. So I've got three more oh, highlights yes. out of his career that let's are go, here. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. So the next one I want to do is that he was actually in the soap opera Santa Barbara. He was in 114 episodes 
approximately 5% of the show. But all of that was done in two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Welcome to that soap opera mill machine that comes from there. Yep. Yeah, no kidding. This made him the 61st most prolific actor for that show, which doesn't sound very high until you realize there's 1,040 actors who have been on that show. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Damn. I've never even yeah. heard of this 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 show, which is weird because I feel like I would have come across them. I probably uh, yeah. I probably have mentioned them and just forgot, but I'm looking this up. <laughs> Eighty four to ninety three. Okay. Yeah, he was there to just near the end, so he was on the show from ninety one to ninety two. Um, I didn't pull up much about his character because I'm like, this is a soap opera. There are so many different characters, and he was probably a recast of a recast that I'm not going to be able to figure out what's going on with this. Yeah, though yeah, he's not uh, even on the. Oh no, wait, maybe he is. Hold on, wait. Yeah, you okay. got to scroll for a little while till you find him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, uh, oh yeah. David, the David Raymond, the town's newest judge. Uh, oh, God, this is already boring to read. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a reason I didn't dig into it. Like Santa Barbara, as far as like my reading goes, was, it was a soap opera that lasted for a while. But it was like a least interesting soap opera. It's not like Days mm. of Our Lives or anything like that, which has been going on forever and has some like really juicy bits. This there's, was like, yeah, eh. there's no uh, pediatrician serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Now, moving on to a secondary point of his. This is moving out of Santa Barbara and starting moving into some of the absolutely horrendous films this man has been in. Yes. So one of them is In the Cold of the Night. And I didn't really look much into the actual film itself because I saw the reviews on IMDb for this. And I'm like, yes, this is gold. <laughs> One of them was stated, if Christopher Nolan had watched this film as a young man, he would have pursued a career in accounting. <laughs> Followed by this review of, I only have one thing to say about this movie. And that is, that guy sleeps on a waterbed with a fluorescent light inside the mattress. <laughs> Say what you will about the rest of the film. That alone is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. No wonder this guy has nightmares. <laughs> that is what <laughs> does sound kind of cool though if i'm being honest it does it does sound kind of cool yeah <laughs> and the last little fun bit of trivia which kind of relates to this he actually also plays a role in thunder in paradise yes nice not as buzz though <laughs> i i mean that's fair yeah it's like you'd hope maybe but no it makes sense that he wouldn't be in there he's captain fitch in one episode. Don't know if that has any standing. Oh. Didn't bother to look into it further. I was like, Thunder in Paradise. Perfect. Putting it on the list. Yeah. There yeah. you go. There you go. Wow. So John Beck is apparently very prolific. Yes. No kidding. Now, now, Parker, I understand you also have something to tell us about a, a specific locale, location, building even. Yes. Yes, I do. As denoted by the episode title... This takes place in Coronado del Sol, a lot of it at the Del Sol Hotel in Coronado. This is an interesting building. It plays a part in the episode. It's more of a like, hey, here's a pretty location that we can throw some history around. But yeah, I did really. but I did pull up some fun facts about it. It is the last one of the few surviving like wooden Victorian beach resort structures that exists in America. 
Oh, interesting. Right now, it's the second largest wooden structure in the U.S., which contradicts a fact that is given in the episode. Well, maybe <laughs> is, it, is it the largest one newer? Yes and no. So as I was digging into it, the more the newer one is the Tillamook Air Museum in Oregon. So it's also on the West Coast. So that denotion doesn't change anything about the fact in the show. But it wasn't designated as that building until 1994, the same time this episode aired. <laughs> so it could have been in 93. So, yeah. Yeah. So it it would have been the largest structure when this was written with a slight caveat of that structure was actually built in 42. It just didn't get the designation until 94. So it's on. A, yeah. So it's all on a little bit of shaky ground as taking that largest wooden structure on the West coast of the U S it sounds like Baywatch though. Yeah. It's yeah. like, Hey, this is a nice fact that they got eh, mostly right ish. Sure. <laughs> That's more than I was expecting. Uh, yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Uh, so the hotel actually originally opened in 1888, and at the time, it was the single largest ro- a resort hotel in the entire world um, when, it was, wow. yeah, when it was first built. Massive amounts of like money was spent into getting it there. There was five investors who bought Coronado and the North Island for what actually sounds like a really cheap amount nowadays, $110,000. But it was 1888, so that was eh, probably a decent chunk. Oh, I yeah. wonder if we have inflation. Wait, 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 1888. Yep. 1888 to 2022. All right. So we're going to look. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, wow. OK, so we have it was how much? One hundred and ten thousand dollars. OK, so one hundred and ten thousand dollars. We're going to do 1888. That would be worth. Three point three million. Okay, that's actually lower than I thought. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, that's actually like a reasonable amount of money. And it came from five different investors. So that was like very doable. It seems like the funny part is, yeah, when looking at this, it says the inflation rate in 1888 was zero point zero zero percent. Wow, that's nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a couple more fun facts about the the hotel itself. So in the 1920s, it was very loved by Hollywood during the Prohibition era. So a lot of movie stars would be there doing the like doing their thing, enjoying it as the in place to stay in San Diego whenever they're around there. Um, in World War Two, it actually got taken over by the U.S. government as housing for pilots who are training at a nearby um, air naval station. So that was nice. And it wasn't commandeered. They actually made a contract with them and everything for it. Seems like a nice place to stay for training. Yeah. Yeah. But that also rolls into some fun contradictory facts with the episode. Um, As we'll see in like the first couple – the first scene of the episode of when it's supposed to take place, it was still being used as a military facility at that point. (laughs) Ah. Huh. Well, maybe Rupert was in the military. That could make sense. (laughs) And then from like after World War Two, it basically just kept getting like sold off to other investment groups and different owners. It wasn't like very well taken care of for a large chunk of time. They went through a big renovation in 2019. They closed their doors for the first time in 132 years at the start of the pandemic. Wow. Uh, but they are back open again. 
So, wow. Yay. <laughs> well, we should all stay at the Hotel de Coronado. Yeah. 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 All this uh, all this podcasting money we're getting, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the the, <laughs> the negative amounts of money we get from podcasting. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but cool. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's quite the building. Parker, I believe from something you may have told me that there is a a spooky thing that may have happened or may happen at the hotel. Yeah. So as we've mentioned, this is a spooky episode. It deals with a little bit of a haunting. I decided to look into, does the hotel actually have a haunting? Um, The answer is yes, they Uh actually do. (laughs) But it is not remotely related (laughs) to the haunting that happens (laughs) in this episode. You're telling me Baywatch isn't a documentary? Let me see if I can find my notes on the haunting. <laughs> I, it's not that type Honestly, of documentary. I think I'm relieved. <laughs> Let's see. Where did I put? Uh, here we go. Here's the notes that I have on the actual haunting at the hotel. So it's a woman who's haunting the hotel in all reality, not a man. Her name was Kate Morgan. Um, she Sounds apparently ended up, Yeah. She apparently mm-hmm. took her own life at the hotel. After a supposed gentleman caller never showed up after five days, this was in 1892, right around Thanksgiving. Hmm. Um, <laughs> digging into the details a little bit more, she was actually married and estranged from her husband. So we think it was a boyfriend or something that was the one that didn't show up. Um, mm. And then she ended up taking her own life, unfortunately. But apparently she still haunts the room that she's in. So that kind of matches with what's happening in the episode. Haunts the hallways of the building, which, sure, I guess that makes sense. And then conveniently also haunts the gift shop. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it turns out there really is no exit through the gift shop. You want to know what's really spooky? What? These prices. (laughs) 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 You're going to be freaked out when you learn how much getting a membership can save you on all of our merchandise. <laughs> Let the savings haunt you right back to your room. Oh, <laughs> yes. And order some spooky room service. Speaking. Ooh. Do you have anything else to tell us about the hotel? Uh, that is all the notes that I currently have about the hotel. Well, then, Morgan, I think it's time for you to very spookily start this. Ooh. Episode. I tried to. I fucked up. I wanted to say episode, but I did ooh beforehand. It just kind of ruined the whole vibe. Ooh episode. Ah. <laughs> That's way too well, funny. Why am I laughing? It's now it's time to get into the episode. Um, today, the role of Morgan will be played by the Swedish chef. Um, oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Um. But yes, we we start off with a very swanky looking couple walking down the beach in a little bit of slow-mo. Her name is Diana, and this is her boy toy, Rupert. And she's married right now, and Rupert wants her to leave her husband. But everyone knows that her husband just won't grant her that divorce. Um, He he is kind of being a little sketchy yeah. at this point. Um, just a little? He, <laughs> he, he does say, do you love me more than life itself? And she she says, yes. On the other hand, I don't trust two people who dress up on the beach. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he really hammers that more than life itself point home to the point where I did think he was going to murder her like right Same. there and then to start the episode. Oh, yeah, I thought they were, it was because the way he phrases it, I thought it was like, did you poison the champagne? Because they drink right. the champagne and he yeah. stares at her while she's drinking. Yeah. yeah, that was a, my yeah. immediate same reaction at that point. I'm like, ah, oh, poison champagne. And then my notes is like yeah. champagne, which apparently makes them ghosts or some shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see, it fizzes just like you fizz out of reality. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they uh, I also thought that this might be an in-universe movie at this point that like someone was watching on TV because it just felt so like. Just so weird and alien. Well, Baywatch um, does that sometimes. It does. It has yeah. no mm-hmm. idea how to necessarily pace a flashback. And I mean, no. look, Baywatch is the kind of show that would write a line. We will go together to an eternity where nothing can come between us and then just be like, yeah, and then they died. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, but instead, what happens is in a fateful findings esque uh, effect, <laughs> they just kind of slowly disappear from the frame, <laughs> and it looks very bad so, and very cheap. I love it. Oh it's yeah. So Do you notice the episode starts with a yellow tint and then just yep. gets mm-hmm. rid of it for no reason? <laughs> yep. Yep. It's because oh, the past God. has sepia tone, but only when you have what time frame it is. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like so. You just no, so you, just so you know, no. real colors exist in the forties. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Baywatch. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. No, I assumed it was all black and white back then. I just assumed it was all Mexico sepia because that's, yeah. that's the film they use whenever they film Mexico in Hollywood. Yeah, it's true. But after that, we get to see Hobie and Mitch, who are going to go meet up with Uncle Buzz and Kyle because they are on their way to take the Scarab. To Hotel de Coronado. And then we get a flashback quick, quick, quick. the first time we met. But yeah, yes. before that, I do want to, to point out, yeah, we will get a flashback. Um, mm-hmm. Great reminder of, of where we've come from here. That was season two, episode five, when we last saw Uncle Buzz, a.k.a. Jim. Um, mm-hmm. The Fabulous Buchanan Boys. You may remember that episode for being very famous or infamous in the Baywatch Rookie School catalog for being in the episode where there is a song about wanting to fuck your brother. Right, it was that episode, wasn't it? Because Mitch and Buzz are, like, having a basketball thing or something, and it's, like, the whole song is, like, really romantic, and then it's, like, you, my brother. Wait, what a... Hold up. (laughs) Yep. I do still remember And then there's that a song. second song about wanting to fuck your brother in that same episode. Yeah. Also <laughs> wow. in that episode is when Kyle calls Hobie a Barney, um, which yes. he does not do again in this episode, which made me sad. No. Yeah. But yeah, we uh, we get a flashback back to that first uh, eventful time when they all met. And then we cut away. Uh, to some lifeguards who are running drills. Oh, well, well, actually, sorry, before, before that, mm-hmm. before that, we need to uh, establish a few things. One, mm-hmm. sure. this is the first time we ever get a timeline of like how far we've come in the in the show, because oh. Toby says that was two years ago. So right. identifying season two, maybe each each season is a year long, something like that. Because time has always been so fucking weird in this show. Like, 
Who yeah. knows what's happening? But it's two years uh, since uh, Hobie and and Kyle met. So that's that's really interesting. Also, really interesting is that um, Hobie has this like oddly positive memory of Kyle, where I remember him like not super getting along with Kyle as well at first, right? Because Kyle was a jerk and like a punk. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what Hobie is smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Probably something that Kyle wants. Indica. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel like that certainly happened to me as a kid sometimes where like, you know, you don't see someone for long enough and you just remember like, oh, yeah, that was my friend who I played with sometimes. Like, yeah, that was I don't feel like it feels that weird to me. Yeah. yeah, that you know, that was, you know, my cousin that gave me my first beer. Right. Or for some people that was George George W. Bush, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, I mean like he's been out of office long enough people don't remember how bad he was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I see what you mean. A- yeah. And he called people Barney and that can't happen. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, after we we reestablish who Buzz and uh, Kyle are, we we get to go see some of the lifeguard drills that Stephanie is supervising and timing. Um, and this one pair of lifeguards does a pretty good job. But then Summer comes by and sees Matt hugging a woman um, and is very jealous. And uh, basically, like Matt offers to never look at another woman, and Summer's like, "Well, you have to for your job." But the implication is like, but Whoa, if you didn't, I would way later. Oh, that's later. That's, that's oh, that later. later. That's in the I hotel. Remember. Yeah. So yeah. this whole this whole running storyline through this episode just felt really dumb. So, and so I couldn't remember. This part is um, uh, Matt says she's an old friend from their high school, which Summer went right. to because we had that pi- that episode that was a failed pilot where mm. like, Native American mm-hmm. one Native American guy chained himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he used the mystical power of eagles to mm-hmm. thwart people. It was bullshit. Um, but Summer says, I don't remember her. And Matt says, well, you like transferred here in like junior or senior year. So she probably left beforehand. Yeah. Because all these keep women's keep pat- popping up. It's, that's funny. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, sure. It's very much your like '90s jealousy is an important part of relationships trope that you see in TV. Are, are you telling me yeah. that jealousy does not exist anymore? <laughs> it, it died with COVID. Oh, yeah. oh. So if I get COVID, I can't be jealous anymore. Sure. Yes. That's how that works. Get me some yeah, the COVID. Three things. The three things that COVID makes you lose is uh, sense of smell, sense of taste, and sense of jealousy. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, so uh, get me every strain. <laughs> <laughs> then we get to see Matt and Summer compete in the drill, because right now uh, Mitch and CJ have the fastest time, and the two couples with the fastest time get a free trip to Coronado del Sol so that they can train the lifeguards there on having a water unit. Um, which which does kind of feel like the whole point of being a lifeguard. No, um, no, no, Morgan. What what does a water unit do? I mean, in this case, I get it that a water unit means they're like going out on the ocean in boats and no, like. No, 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 no. What does a water unit do? Oh, I don't know. Would you say maybe like water activities, maybe some water sports? 
<laughs> yeah, that's what they're called. Well, I right? would now. They're they're called the water sports, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was just a lead up into that dumb joke. <laughs> well, the dumb joke works because at least the inflatable dummy that they're using with Matt and oh Summer had that mustache on there. It was oh, straight yes. 70s porn oh, star look. I didn't notice the oh, mustache. God, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, I had to like rewind and go back to where the first folks who were doing the competition like did their dummy have a mustache answer is no their dummy (laughs) did not have a mustache wow wow so they got to save a very special blow-up doll in a segment Mm -hmm. that takes 45 minutes too long yes (laughs) yes yeah my note here is that we get to see the whole entire drill, uh, most of which is Summer driving a jet ski in a straight line while Matt blinks to keep water out of his face. You know what? Which you, you know what this scene boy. reminds me of? What? It's this scene and there's another scene later in the episode. Each time I, I, I both times I thought this is the Monty Python running up to the castle scene. It's just. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, very um, much so. It just this whole episode, especially in the beginning, just drags. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, But you know what doesn't drag, Morgan? What's that, Michael? So first off, they make it under two minutes. So they get the trip. So we cut to the Hotel de Coronado and we see some car that I'm sure Morgan knows. Uh, Yes, it was a Mustang. You're just going to tell me it was just a Mustang? Like what year? Come on. You're letting uh, me down. Honestly, it, it <laughs> looked like one to two trims above base level. It just wasn't anything that interesting. Dang, I, I, this whole joke was banking on the fact that you would have known. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I had to guess, it was definitely from the 90s. Uh, I would guess okay. 91 to 93. Um, it had the 5.0, so it was definitely one of the higher trim levels, but not... Anything like a GT350 or a GT500, it didn't have um, Shelby badging, so it wasn't tuned by them. So I would guess, yeah, I mean, I'd guess it's probably like a 92 to 93, um, and I don't remember Mustang trim levels off the top of my head, other than it, that it was a 5.0. See, uh, I forgot that this isn't a vodcast, so the joke was me <laughs> nodding up and down. Ah, yeah, this is a podcast, a podcast for two men. We are two ghosts. Oh, um, <laughs> um, but yes, no, it was not particularly exciting of a car. I was hoping it would be, um, but I was excited to see that Summer was driving it. That was cool. I assumed it would be Matt doing it. Yeah, because that feels like what they would do in Baywatch, but it wasn't. So that was nice. Um, you know, Summer was also the one driving the Wave Runner. Yep, that is true. That is true. While Matt clung to the back and you could see <laughs> David Charvet just like squinting his eyes to avoid the spray getting in his face. Yes, it was so And funny. if it hadn't if it hadn't gone on for three hours, it might have been kind of fun. Um, yeah, if they made the montage an actual montage instead of like, we'll just film right. the whole thing. Yeah. No, we are we are already seeing the dreaded signs of this being a two part episode, Mm -hmm. which is that um, every single shot is held for like 50 percent too long because they didn't write two episodes worth of script. Yes. Oh, very much so. I do want to add one thing that 
I entirely like glazed over while we're talking about the competition. When Matt and Summer get told that they win, I love how the two blondes behind them are also inexplicably just as happy as Matt and Summer (laughs) are. Like, yay, we don't go on a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Also, also funny is the fact that all of their jealousy problems were fixed. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. there's no jealousy problems anymore. And it's just because Stephanie gave them a thing to do and they want a hotel. Like, I feel like that's not really solving your problem. Yeah. Well, it's because once they won, Matt, you know, went over and said, hey, jealousy. And then you know, it was all it was all saved from there. Um, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yes, eventually they do arrive to the hotel and they meet the head lifeguard of the hotel whose name is Kyle, I think, Mel. or something. What? Mel. Mel? Yeah. Yep. Mel, okay. Captain Mel Dawson. Ah, I totally missed that. Kyle is the cousin. Right. Yes. But they chat about how now they're at the hotel and they're going to start doing some training. But then Summer looks up. And sees a weird man watching from the roof of the hotel um, and just can't stop staring because I also would not be able to stop staring. <laughs> right. If there was just a weird man in a suit staring at me from the top of the hotel. How do you, Very much uh, so. Right. Right. Um, but eventually Stephanie asks Summer what's going on. And she's like, ah, it's nothing. Don't worry oh, about it. This is this is a, a good time to tell a tangential story from my life, which is sure. Um, I used to do, as I mentioned before, I was like a plumber and mm-hmm. I used to have to go on roofs of buildings all the time. And uh, sometimes people would just stare at me as I'd stand on the roof, like doing something. And I would just oh, like God. Ha- stare back at them. And I remember one time someone, because this is a college campus, decided, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to yell at the guy on the roof. Uh, so she just started, this woman just started yelling at me, but like, like a friendly, like, Hi, how are you doing up there? Conversation. <laughs> and, uh, you know, let's distract the person who's on a rooftop working. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, bad idea. But also a bad idea was me. Um, that sounds that's a weird sentence. I'm not. <laughs> I'm a good idea. I had a bad idea, which was I should return the conversation back. Uh, ah, ah, yes. Yeah. And, was, and just like. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, just like wave back at them. And they, they started asking me questions. And I, I said, OK, I got I got to stop this there. But I did right. end up coming down like 30 minutes later and she was just still there staring. And huh. I, I told her, uh, don't, don't you have like somewhere else to be? And she went, not really. My parents pay <laughs> tuition. And I said, that's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, The college experience of some. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, sounds like a sounds like a hell of a time on a roof. Yeah, I should have gotten her number. You know, that's kind of I feel like you should have like it. Yes. Look, look again. I have bad ideas sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Um, But uh, speaking of bad ideas, Mitch and Hobie have shown up to where Buzz is. And he's really happy to see them. And then all four of them go surfing. And then then we go back to the hotel. Well, well, well first, let's, mm-hmm. let's just add that uh, Hobie asked Mitch if he wishes that him and Uncle Buzzy 
which I don't yes. remember them ever calling him Buzzy before. But whatever. no, uh, no, they hadn't. We're, we're we're and I don't even remember them saying that the last time Buzz was in the show. Yeah. Um, if him and Uncle Buzzy were tighter and Mitch says their life went in different directions that Mitch settled down, also got divorced and also really kind of just leaves his kid alone all the time so he can go sleep. Yeah. With women. And uh-huh. Buzz uh, is the complete inverse in that he's always chasing waves and always has his son with him. Maybe Buzz yeah. is a better dad. <laughs> oh, that's because it does feel like that a little because bit. Yeah. Now that I think about a it, a lot of this season is things like Mitch getting captured being on a boat and being like you gotta set me free i have a kid and it's like okay mitch but you're never there for your kid right so yeah i think buzz should be the new protagonist of baywatch (laughs) you just want more mustache in the show is what i'm hearing oh yeah i want to go on a mustache ride baby (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, you know, sometimes you you got to do what you got to do. Um, <laughs> the most civil response to that possible. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> um, but it's at this point that we cut back to the hotel where Summer has pulled out some lingerie that she packed and is is just kind of looking at it. Um, <laughs> which I mean, okay. I mean, I you know if if she likes it and she's happy that she brought it, good for her. I'm I'm happy for her. It just seemed a little bit weird. Um, but then she's interrupted by the sounds of some wind chimes, which freak her out very much. Um, and also there's some weird wind, and it was at this point that I realized we were dealing with ghosts. Because she opens a window and then opens her door and then a cross breeze. I mean, a ghost slams her door shut um, and it gets stuck. Uh Oh, a thing that has never happened in 140 year old wooden buildings. Um, (laughs) But luckily, Matt comes by and she's able to slip her card under the door so that he can unlock the door because it locked from the outside. Um, yeah, that was the bit I had a lot of trouble with with that scene. Yeah, her yeah. shaking and trying to open the door. I'm like, I see the lock right there. And she never jiggles uh-huh. the lock at all. But the electric lock scan on the outside, that will do the trick. <laughs> yeah. Look, look, this episode is maybe not Nicole Eggert's best acting performance. OK, no, <laughs> no, most she, certainly not. Which, I'd like to introduce right now something I think I've mentioned before on this episode or on this show, which is the mm. Nicole Eggert face, which is just yes. Nicole Eggert stares off into the distance and makes like she closes her eyes and makes a face that looks like someone is pooping. Um, which <laughs> I'm very invested in because of my Instagram. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Faces people make yeah. their pooping. Um, but she does that. All the time in this episode, even when she's trying to, like, get out of conflict, she's just like, looks bored. Yeah. But yeah, eventually, you know, Matt frees her. And then we learn that Summer is sitcom levels of jealous. Um, This is where she's like, you I would prefer you didn't even look at other women, but you have to for your job. And I was like, I get that you two are supposed to be teenagers, but like, come on. Well, maybe yeah, this is like not. a special level. <laughs> yeah, I, 
I don't know if they're teenagers or if they're like 20 now. They're still like, yeah, look, I, I don't even know anymore. The, Time is the high school episode was last season, right? Oh, fuck, man. Time really is <laughs> so, an endless loop. <laughs> at most, they're 20 if this show follows, like, linear time rules. Um, linear time rules, yeah. <laughs> um, now, now mm-hmm. what happens next is very important. Now, first off, yes, we're basically almost halfway into the episode and nothing has happened. Yes. But um, yes. Matt tries to make out with her, but mm-hmm. Summer stops and looks around. For that mysterious feeling. And no, it's not the clit. Matt says... <laughs> God. <laughs> I wrote that joke, and I felt bad about it, but said I gotta, t- I gotta make every joke I write, because that's just yeah. the way it works. Uh, yeah. And Matt Fair says, enough. Why did you... <laughs> just how it goes. You gotta do what you gotta do, according to Morgan Exactly. Uh, and yeah. Matt said, Motto of the podcast. <laughs> podcast for two men. Matt says, why did you stop? And she says she feels like they're being watched. Now, Matt gets something I like to call horngry, which is horny angry. Uh, Yes. He says, come on, you can think of a better excuse than that. Can't you think of a better excuse than that? What? Uh, And then Matt takes her to the bed and they kiss once and then a picture frame falls and they go, ghost. (laughs) Famously, ghosts are anti-horniness. Well, Well, maybe not this ghost. (laughs) Not this ghost, but in Fateful Findings, I think the ghost is. That's true. That's true. So I think maybe this episode is a Neil Breen episode. It does feel like it probably is, if I'm being honest. Yeah, but you know what? Then we get a montage. Now, uh, for mm-hmm. both of you, I have shared a video here in, in the chat. What this video is, is it's the montage with the remastered footage, but with the original releases music. Um, mm-hmm. oh. Could y'all take maybe a 20-second listen to this, and then we'll sure. come back. Yeah, that is much better than the remastered song. Oh, 100% better. Absolutely is. Um, That song, and we'll put that in the show notes, that song Mm -hmm. is Running Into the Sun by Noel Pagan. And now, apparently, he's a freestyle singer. His most popular song was called Silent Morning, and it hit 47 on the Billboard Hot 100. And it is notable because it was on the charts for 22 weeks, which is impressive because rarely do songs stay on the chart that long and not hit the top 40. So it was just a middling song. That's but, an impressive yeah. level of mediocrity to yes. achieve. Yeah. Now, I did uh, have to do some um, illicit screenshotting uh, to find for you <laughs> the top 10 songs on the Billboard Hot 100 from its debut and peak. So this song debuted... Um, on what month is that? August twenty second, nineteen eighty seven. And oh wow, the top okay. ten were number ten. I just can't stop loving you by Michael Jackson. Great, Heart and Soul yep. by Tapau. Rock Steady by The Whispers. Only in okay. My Dreams by Debbie Gibson. I still haven't found what I'm looking for by U two. I Great want song. your sex by George Michael. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean nothing by Richard Marks. 
Luca by Suzanne Vega, La Bamba by Los Lobos. Wow. And then number one, Who's That Girl by Madonna. Now. Wow. Okay. Okay. The peak was November 14th of that same year. Uh, Different, bit of a different chart here. So number 10 was Should Have Known Better by Richard Marks. Number nine, It's a Sin by the Pet Shop Boys. Number eight. Oh, nice. Causing a Commotion by Madonna. Number seven, Brilliant Disguise by Bruce Springsteen. Number six, dare I say six, whatever, six, Breakout by Swing Out Sister. Great song. Number five, Heaven is a Place on Earth by, Bra- by, by, by Belinda Carlisle. Number four, Little Lies by Fleetwood Mac. Number three, I've had the time of my life by Bill Medley. <laughs> number two, Money Money by Billy Idol. And number one. Nice. Number one, I Think We're Alone Now by Tiffany. Oh, oh. hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm what a fucking song. Both of the pictures of these um, here in the chat, which has more than their, their top ten. Um, but, you know, I think it's, um, you know, interesting stuff to look at. But, yeah, um, yeah, uh, you know, that's that's just the the, the original song. The remaster oh. version has Open Your Eyes by Michael Larios. And uh, Parker, I want you to do whatever it is your soul thinks this song <laughs> deserves if that's if that's beat poetry if that's singing if that's interpretive dance well we probably can't hear that because this is a podcast <laughs> not a podcast i've already made that mistake but <laughs> to embrace the soul of this song if it's an interpretive tap dance though feel free <laughs> oh yeah put the mic right up to your feet and let it rip <laughs> uh, i have to go find the tap shoes if i'm gonna go do that uh, or maybe i'll use uh, the balance board i'm on and just tap it again no my neighbors will hate that <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably oh, don't want to make my neighbors hate me more no. <laughs> <laughs> all right i guess because i don't no one needs to hear my singing voice you can just, ever you can just emphatically I, read it Oh, that, that was the intent. I was thinking like slam poet, someone who's been to way too many poetry nights and is trying to put feeling into what they're saying. Oh, so cool. David Hasselhoff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or most of the cast of this episode. Mm, I yeah. don't think Pamela Anderson goes to slam poetry. I'm going to be honest here. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, oh, wow. There's a lot, a lot of lines here. <laughs> we all, we all have a little time to waste. You are, you are, a a picture, perfect dream of fate, and every now and then I feel, I fall. I fall in your eyes, I fall into paradise. Every now and then I hear a call, a call in the night, a call from an angel's voice. Come on, baby, open up your eyes. Come on, baby, don't you realize? (laughs) Oh, there's more. Got a scroll. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we all, we all have a little time to waste. You are, you are a picture perfect dream of fate. Every now and then I feel I fall. I fall in your eyes. I fall into paradise. Every now and then I hear a call, a call in the night. A call from an angel's voice. Come on, baby. Open up your eyes. 
Come on, baby. Don't you realize? I think that was just the same lyrics twice. Uh, it was. I, well, <laughs> actually, wait, let me scroll. I think it is just a repeat of a yeah. chorus, probably. <laughs> well, yeah. So nice. We needed to hear it twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, Parker, how would you rate this song, you know, letter grade? Ooh. Let's just go lyrics. Yeah. Well, lyrics, it falls somewhere near like X or Y. It's Oh, wow. I didn't know the American schools use those grades. Yeah, that's how bad it goes. They're like, well, we could go F, but that just doesn't feel bad enough. Wow. Uh, that's like burning your test bad. Wow. Um, yeah, so apparently Parker hates this song. Uh, direct all of your hate mail to him. Yep. Actually, direct it to the podcast and they'll redirect it to me. Yeah, that's great. Uh, that would imply that someone actually wants to talk to us. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we uh, we get a little montage here underneath that song where we see Matt and Summer taking pictures. We see CJ handing out flyers and then going to a SeaWorld show. What was the flyers see... for? I was also wondering. That. No idea. Actually, let me head back into like I have the episode up on. OK, is it flyers? Maybe it might actually be the like the SeaWorld map or something. Why would you do oh, that? Maybe that's like. That's like me going to like Disneyland and going, hey, you all, I like Disneyland. You like Disneyland. Do you not want to know where everything is? And it's like, yeah, I mean, there's already a map like up. Like you don't need to hand (laughs) me the map. You also don't work here. It's exactly that, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I thought maybe it was flyers for like the hotel's lifeguard training program but that didn't really make sense to me either no yeah so i don't know i i I thought it maybe would have been something like save the whales or something you know i don't like yeah setting up a rally fun 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 story here very much an aside very much an aside uh i have uh some friends and i are watching through old seasons of the bachelor and mm. there's a woman who she wins a challenge, which means she gets like a Cosmo cover shoot. And they ended up taking down her her cover because she posed for this white Marlin conservation charity. That's uh, their tagline was white lives matter. Oh, Oof. oh, yeah. and she was like, oh, guys, they're white Marlins. And it's like. Yeah, but it also has a Confederate flag on the back. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Not yeah. great. Uh, anyways, um, yeah. So CJ's doing shit. No one knows what she's doing. Okay. Or why? Really? Like when watching that montage, having not watched any of the show, I'm like, okay, Summer Matt doing coupley picture things, basically an excuse to get Summer to pose. Cool, great, whatever. Right. Loot. Um, Stephanie and then Captain Mel are having like the world's most awkward date or something inside yeah, of yeah. their montage where Captain Mel seems to be just staring at other women the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then CJ at SeaWorld because why not? I don't know. In because the previous seasons. SeaWorld paid a lot of money. <laughs> okay. I, I figured that was what it was for this situation. I didn't know like. 
Was this a plot point from previous seasons? CJ cares about SeaWorld. Okay, perfect. Exactly what I thought. What I found very interesting was the fact that the way they shot it was like it's it's right tight into CJ's face when she's actually at SeaWorld and everyone is staring forward. If I was at SeaWorld and I saw a bunch of cameras and Pam Anderson sat down next to me, I would not be staring forward at the whale. I would be staring at why is Pam Anderson sitting next to me at SeaWorld? Yes, that's just. Me. Oh, very much so. Oh, yeah. No, I'd be in the same way. Like everyone was very unreactive to the fact that she was there. Yes. Like, I know mm-hmm. they told them stare for. Yeah, but I would be it's, like the show is weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but then finally, the last bit of the montage is Buzz, Hobie and Mitch just kind of causing chaos. I will say the part where they dressed up in life vests and pool toys and went jousting on the pier seemed like a lot of fun. And I did want to do that. Yeah, it did. That was the most relatable moment in this entire episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Whoa, whoa. What about Matt being hungry? <laughs> also true. <laughs> what about that part where uh, spoilers, the ghost fucks summer? <laughs> yeah. That, Maybe we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, because after this, uh, we get to see CJ meet a SeaWorld trainer and she learns how to feed this orphan dolphin who has a super sad backstory. Um, but her and the trainer flirt a bit and she is very into him. Um, this entire scene, I was wondering, how did CJ get back there? Yeah. Like, who just yes. let her there? <laughs> yeah. That part, no, seriously. That part is exceptionally weird. Um, as well, CJ knows who this guy is because she saw the show three times. Um, what new do you get out of it on time number yeah. three? No idea. Yeah. And actually, I went back through the montage to see if he was in the montage. He is. And he's just one of the guys in the background uh, with the whales. Yeah. Um, But after this, uh, we get to go back to check in with uh, Summer and Matt, where Summer has been trying to get a different room. But it turns out the whole hotel is sold out. So Matt offers to let her stay in his room, which I was confused by because I did assume they were sharing a room. Yeah. Since they are dating. Um, But no, apparently they're not. Uh, Also, Matt is very horny in this scene. Yeah. Just like very horny. Um, My notes just say Matt continues to horn dog. Yes, big time. Guys, guys, is it gay to be horny for your girlfriend? <laughs> I'm going to say yes. I, I agree. I mean, it is almost Pride Month as we record this, so I think legally it has to be. Oh, everything is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But then uh, we get to see Kyle and Hobie playing catch with a football. And we we go down to Buzz's boat, which uh, he says once he fixes it up, He's going to get rid of Kyle and just sail to New Zealand. Um, And he's like, and of course, Mitch, you'll just take Kyle, right? And Mitch is like, hey, what the fuck, my dude? You absolutely cannot do that. That shit's not okay. Um, And and Buzz is like, oh, it's fine. In that case, I'll just send him to foster care (laughs) in the most manipulative fucking move I've ever seen. Yeah. Now, now, what what does Mitch then specifically call Buzz? Oh, I don't remember. Uh, Oh, I don't remember either. It's unbelievable! 
Yeah, this whole thing is like, like we knew Buzz was a quote unquote free spirit, but this is just being a dick. Yeah. 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 Oh, very much so. Like, hey, okay, my brother doesn't want my kid. I don't want my kid. Foster family, do you want my kid? Yeah. yeah. Again, Mitch is not also not going to be a good dad because Mitch is basically just going to try to be like, okay, now I have two kids at home. How do I get laid while getting them out of the house? So you're just going to let them mm-hmm. get into all sorts of deadly shenanigans where they almost die and he's going to get laid. Mm-hmm. Which... Honestly, that's the 90s dream. Let your kids (laughs) go off somewhere and maybe die while you get laid. That's what this show is telling me. (laughs) That having lived through the 90s, that sounds about right. It's like parents, they disappear off. Kids, eh, kind of do whatever you want. (laughs) Yeah. Unlike the 2000s where nobody got laid. Nope. Not a single person. (laughs) Never. Yeah. The the 2000s, a famously unhorny time. I just I love that as a statement where you could describe any decade as famously an unhorny period of time. But it's always wrong yet right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like there were definitely some decades that would more like I feel like the like 40s and 50s that's, as we're coming out of like that's why World War Two and the Great Depression. That's why at the yeah. beginning of the episode, Diana and Rupert, they kiss on the forehead instead of the lips. It's true. It was the 40s. Yeah. If if you kiss on the lips, then you fizz out of existence like champagne. Oh, yeah. Well, that whole you missed my whole joke there. I'm going to repeat it. because it's funny the second time. If you kiss on the lips, you fizz out of existence like champagne. There you go. Oh, yeah. Know what you should do, Morgan? You should insert mm-hmm. a longer silence there. And then like small, like a bit of a seconds of the laugh. And then, Mm -hmm. like, edit that rest of it out so it sounds like that you're, like, taking the laugh back. That would be funny. I will try to do that. Okay, sure. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Don't forget to add this bit where you're told to do that. Yes. Oh, well, yeah, of course. I'm going to take that bit and double it and replace a couple other bits earlier in the episode with this bit. You should replace the entire episode with this bit. (laughs) <laughs> just loop this bit for like an hour and a half honestly you put it for 10 hours put it on youtube <laughs> i was gonna say already more action than what's happening in this episode yeah lo-fi whoa. lo-fi baywatch podcast to study and relax to whoa there you go parker you cannot <laughs> say that because we're about to get some kissing action yeah this is where uh summer is like half asleep by the pool, having a very horny dream about being kissed, apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but she thinks it's Matt and it isn't. It's the ghost. Um, And at this point, uh, she sees the man on top of the hotel again. And now we zoom in on him. And it is, in fact, Rupert from the opening. I like the idea that um, so she goes, uh, "Mm, don't stop. This gets Matt's attach- attention because it's like, is there somebody who is not me having sex on my watch? Can't right. be. <laughs> so that is immediately to attention. Uh, but then also it's just like kind of a dick to her yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I would never kiss you. You know, he didn't say like that. Right. But he's like, kiss you. Not me. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. 
No, it does feel pretty weird. Yeah. Oh, it, um, it definitely does. And well, the pan away to the ghost up at the top of the hotel, I'm like, man, that ghost is either very fast or has like the longest distance kiss ever. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, blowing kisses at her. It's either she. Okay, possibilities here. Let's discuss how this could work. One. Okay. He's blowing kisses in the wind, and the wind just picks them up and travels them to her neck. But he has to like go. Oh, you can't hear that because I have a pop filter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we still heard it. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> Great. Um, so that's for first idea. Second idea is like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. He has like some sort of stand ability or like persona. Mm. And his stand is just called like Kiss, like the band Kiss. And all it does is mm-hmm. kiss people. Terrifying. Doesn't help you in any way. But he- I do like the first one better. Because mm-hmm. it, it it presupposes the idea that that the wind is just a horny ghost, and I do like that. No, he controls the wind. Down of you know this, uh, ghosts can control the weather. They're like China, <laughs> but only only for the purposes of being horny. Yeah, but yeah. also only for white ghosts. Yes, of course. Yeah, there's never been a non-white ghost, according to Baywatch, so far. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's wait till Baywatch nights and see what happens. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, hell, there's barely been a non-white person on Baywatch. And, so yeah. yeah. What this means is that Baywatch has asserted that besides ghosts existing, aliens mm-hmm. remember also exist. Yes. Oh, correct. Baywatch aliens are fully real and abduct people. Mm-hmm. And also, kissy wissy ghosts exist. Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, so we have abducting aliens and horny ghosts. Now, got it. Question, Parker: <laughs> If you could have any ghost of a 1940s gentleman kiss you, which one would it be? <laughs> Ooh. Oh, that's difficult. Yeah, let me look up if there's a Wikipedia article for 1940s gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, I need to think back into my list of folks. I did recently watch a movie that was set in World War II, but I don't think that helps me. <laughs> Does it have to be? Because it, it would have to be people who died in the 1940s, right? Yeah. Okay, be, wait, 1940s deaths. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. At category Wikipedia. Here we go. Um... We might need to reduce that down because, you know, the early part of the 40s was World War II. Oh, I yeah, picked on the few, worst a one. A few people died. Yeah, I, I just like half of uh, these people are just like Nazis. Uh, yeah. What right, about- I'm looking for murders in 1943. Apparently there's a murders by <laughs> continent. OK. Oh, hell yeah. OK, wait. Murders, murders North America. Yeah, let's go to murders in 1948. Uh Mahatma Gandhi. Okay, so maybe not the best choice. Uh, uh, why would it be Mahatma Gandhi? Uh, why, why do you want Mahatma Gandhi to, to make out with your neck? Do I? Well, he'd be into it because he hadn't eaten a lot, so he may be excited about that. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, I just spit out my water. Okay. Uh, You're welcome. Wow. So, yeah, this article is way more um, detailed than I was expecting. Um, wow. I'm going to I'm gonna pick okay. Nelson McDowell, personally, who's got just, like, a real film noir face. Oh, look at that. I do Ooh. respect that. I like that chin. Well, okay, hey, yeah. He's got some, like, gills going on, too, on the side of his face. <laughs> He's got <Yeah>. some gills. 
<laughs> oh my god look at this guy yeah oh okay well uh his end so i got this fellow here who apparently got murdered in 1943 carlo tresca just that goatee and mustache thing that's going on yeah kind of working the the hair too is pretty powerful yeah yeah i like that okay what about why am I picking all the worst ones? It's always just like <laughs> Nazi, the the death killer. And it's like, why Why am I picking all the wrong ones? Like, what's wrong with me? Uh, I mean, what's wrong well, with me? Well, I think we're like, learning some things about you. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I asked this question. Oh, no, here we go. Here we go. Here's a great one. Um, American consulting cost accountant known for his work on cost accounting. Man, I'm sure he gives great kisses. <laughs> Oh, very yeah. methodical about it. Yeah, yeah. He's very much, you know what? He knows the checks and balances of your libido, and he takes advantage of it. <laughs> I don't like that either. Holy shit. <laughs> I made this worse. <laughs> Do we just need a segment of accounting pickup lines? Oh, please, no. Look, I... No, I can't relive business school, okay? <laughs> I can't I can't do That's that. fair. That's fair. You know what? Speaking of school, Mitch mentions again mm-hmm. that he went to college for architecture. Again reminded mm-hmm. that Mitch actually does something else or did something else besides lifeguarding. And he says he came to the hotel back then and then he gives the incorrect fact that Parker told us about before. Um mm-hmm. now uh, Mitch asks or Hobie asks if Buzz is really thinking of putting Cal in a foster home. And Hobie asks why Kyle can't live with them. And then uh, Mitch does this line here. Uh, Parker, would you please read this line? All right. Because you don't just pass your kid around every time you need space. How would you like it if I dumped you on Buzzy while I went over to Switzerland to go skiing for the winter? Hobie. Families don't work that way. Wow. Wow, Mitch. Uh, for once, he has good family values. Uh, now, at the Except same... Except that he totally does that. Exactly. That's what I was going <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's yeah. the problem here. Mitch Buchanan is a bit of a hypocrite. Uh-huh. Especially as the seasons go on, he's just become worse and worse of a parent. Well, he's become hungrier. Yeah, it's true. It's true. He's just it, become more and more like Buzz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, as we get older, don't we see ourselves turn into that which we hate most? You either you either die a Mitch or you live long enough to see yourself become a Buzzy. Ew, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, eventually, you know, Hobie's kind of like, all right, fine, we'll we'll drop this for now. Um, but we will come back to it later. Um, mm-hmm. and then, Ooh, spooky. Spooky. It's the ghost of this conversation oh, God. that will Aww. haunt the episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, then we see CJ, Stephanie, and Summer at the pool. And CJ is telling Stephanie all about her trip to SeaWorld. And CJ thinks she's falling in love with the dolphin trainer. Stephanie is like, you can't fall in love with every man you meet, CJ. And then Summer, who has been quiet this entire scene, just yells, what if you fall in love with a man you've never met before? Um, And it was so wild. (laughs) 
It's just so out dumb. of fucking nowhere. And oh. PJ stares at her blankly and says, huh? Like, Which is, in fact, the correct response. But, but think about this. Yes, think about this. Very okay. much so. The, oh, the, one thing uh, I do love about this scene, though. I was going to say, think about this. The sentence, how about a guy you've never met, is a much wilder sentence in 1994 than 2022 because of the That internet. is definitely true. Yeah. Right? So, like, on one hand, I could see her saying this now, and someone be like, I mean, yeah, sure. But back then, um, Summer, what the fuck yeah. is wrong with you? And also, she's doing her Nicole Eggert face, where she looks like she's, like, dying um, yeah. So like everyone's like, are you possessed? <laughs> yeah, just staring off into the distance. But I appreciate the fact like during this entire scene, while CJ was talking about Seawolf, the scene basically focused on not CJ. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, then uh, then Summer tells the two of them about her ghost. And then we cut to well, her laying in whoa, bed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She says mm-hmm. that the guy started kissing her. Well, she was sunbathing and right. she says Matt has never kissed her like that before. It was the most passionate, tender kiss she has ever felt in her whole life. Now, if we take into account the idea that Rupert is just blowing kisses and the wind is pushing them to her neck, man, mm-hmm. that guy, he's got some tricks up his sleeve. How does he do it? Man, he must have <laughs> some some soft. <laughs> wet lips. <laughs> oh. oh, I was gonna say maybe it's the you know like fifty years of practice as a ghost and being just a horny ghost the entire time. You know that's because his years are fifty years chapped. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but apparently he's still a better kisser than Matt is. <laughs> oh, I believe that. Yeah. I mean, look, Matt th- feels like he's a very selfish lover. Think about this. Dead gentleman from the 1940s who may or may mm-hmm. not have murdered you with champagne or mm-hmm. hot French model. Which one do you want to kiss? You? <laughs> Ooh, definitely the dead gentleman. Yeah, it's I know. That's the way it has to go. Yeah. A, a, yeah. A friend of mine was recently. Um, there's this sub- dating a dead French model. No, no. Uh, <laughs> There's a subreddit for uh, it's like uh, bad taste, but good execution. Yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. And she got uh, awful, awful, awful taste, taste. But good execution. She got featured on there. She's like a cosplayer and she got oh. featured on there for like her hot Gandalf cosplay. Uh, oh, shit. And it was very <laughs> okay. funny because it was a combination of some very confused horny people like i don't know i feel bad that i the, the, i find this hot and then a bunch of people who would just say things like jr tolkien would have turned around in his grave if he saw this and i'm like it's just gandalf man who doesn't want to fuck gandalf it's gandalf he's an old hot, yeah. sexy wizard who doesn't want to fuck yeah. that yeah, who probably yeah. has centuries of experience. Yeah, and centuries of chapped lips. <laughs> oh. You know, it's like some people put tripe in their pho because they like the bumpy feeling. That's just a chapped lip. 
Mm. I guess that's one approach to it. I do like tripe in my pho, but I'm not sure I'm a chap-lipped guy. Well, maybe you should try <laughs> putting some chap-lips in your pho. Mmm, yum. Mm. I think I figured out what my dinner plans are. Mmm. <laughs> um, but yes, at this point, we uh, we get to see Summer go back to her bed and uh, Matt calls her from his room and is like, hey, you sure you don't want to fuck me? And she's like, no, nah, I'm good. There's ghost shit. It's weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then uh, she tries to go to sleep and we learn that David Braff is a huge fan of the extended cut of Ghostbusters because this ghost is definitely going down on her um, based on the faces she is making. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, my notes on this are like, hmm, it seems like the directions were be aroused. But sleepy, maybe both. <laughs> it, it's very weird because the scene just like ends. And yeah. So the absolute implication is like she did not want to go sleep with her boyfriend, but she did want to stay awake for the ghost to fuck her because she was like, "Well, he gives good yeah. kisses. So what else can he do with his lips?" And yeah. So then he did. Yeah. And then her next day activity was... I'm, like, rewatching the scene in the back here, and it is very expectant. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. It it absolutely is. <laughs> and her... The way it, the way the scene looks, transition-wise, is she has sex with a ghost, and that allows her to next day be at peak athleticism for the lifeguard demo. So I'm like... yeah. Are they implying that this is, like, a good thing that happened? Like, this was consensually she wanted to have sex with a ghost? I mean, it does seem like it. What is this show? What is this fucking show? (laughs) Yes. Correct. Okay, okay. Parker. Yeah. You've never seen Baywatch before. Obviously. That That is correct. Um... I'm obviously quite shocked by this uh, and confused by this. What was your first thought seeing this? My first thought seeing this scene was like, okay, that apparently already knew that this entire show was horny. But I'm like, this is a different level of horny. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In comparison with everything else that has happened here. This is like eating Dan Aykroyd at his level of horny is never a goal you should aspire to. This is like Morgan Thrapp levels of horny. (laughs) Sorry, Morgan. Wow. Come on. It's a character now. No, it's true. It's true. Um, (laughs) Morgan, what about you? What were your thoughts? Because I'm just so baffled by this scene. What were your thoughts? I mean, it really just like... The only thing I could think of was Ghostbusters. Yes. Like, it's just so... It, it's so Dan Aykroyd, and that's not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also feel like the scene does, like, absolutely nothing for the narrative of this no. episode at all. It's basically no, never mean, referenced again in any capacity. <laughs> it's truly just... Anytime Baywatch does a two-parter, there's so many of these where, like, the scene doesn't really do anything. It's clearly just filler. Like, and, I'm, you know, boy, is this part one full of them. I'm shocked that this episode was hornier than the one with the giant octopus. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you had the hentai right there. 
and you did nothing with it. But yeah, ghost, no, it's true. Ghost, you went to an yeah. oral fixation with a ghost. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. let's get back to lifeguards. Absolutely, <laughs> because uh oh, there's a boat fire, and so Summer and Matt have to head out there on jet skis to rescue them. And then eventually they do. <laughs> and this forever. takes like literally four minutes. Um, this is one of the longest scenes in this entire episode. And one of the things that I noticed is one of the guys that they save jumps off the boat twice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did not notice that, but that makes I have, sense. I have some questions here about lifeguard procedure. So, and this is also related to um, Matt and Summer earlier. So you mm-hmm. notice what they do is they, and I, I could be wrong here. I'm, I'm This is a real question. Um, mm. They, they, they drive up to like a distance uh-huh. and then they jump off the boat and swim. Why not yes. just take the boat closer and then they just kind of hop off? The only thing I can think of is like they were worried about fire spreading from the one boat to their boat. Like if flaming debris flew up in the air or something, but I agree that it's pretty weird. Right. Yeah. Also with the, when Summer and Matt earlier, Matt jumped off the boat, the wave runner to then get the mustache body. But like, yeah, he could have just literally, I mean, he could have just picked them up in the wave runner or just hopped off and gone them instead mm-hmm. of swimming to them, and he would have gone them faster. Yeah. Yeah. But how else would you get the, you know, the gratuitously long scenes of them swimming to the person? Ah, no. Yeah. Here, I got one better for you, Parker. More scenes of them driving. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I'm rewatching the scene right now, and I'm seeing the scare of moments as they're going on. And it very much is, as Morgan mentioned earlier, like Mighty Python. <laughs> Holy Grail and the horse riding scene is just there never seem any closer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, look, they want they what they partially want to do is advertise Scarab and the yeah. Runner. Mm-hmm. But like, this yeah. is gratuitous. Well, and that was the other question I had is like the hotel people after this are like, see, this is why we need Scarabs. But my impression up to this point had been that the Scarabs are the big boats and they didn't have them, and this rescue went off fine. So maybe they don't need the boats. I was very confused. What do you? What do you? What do you mean? So, like, so my understanding was that the Scarab was the very fast boat that Mitch and Hobie are transporting. Um, yes. And the uh, fucking what's his name, Mal, Mel, the lifeguard. Um, is talking to the hotel managers afterwards being like, see, this demonstrates why we need a scarab. Yeah. We could do this so much more efficiently. But they didn't have a scarab, and the rescue went great. So I guess I'm confused. His argument didn't make sense no, to it me. Was a fake, it was a fake rescue. Right, but they didn't have a scarab for so, it. Oh, I know what you mean. Yes, because they didn't actually have a real scarab. in. Right, because that wasn't a scarab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's the, what I mean. So his argument makes no sense because he's saying, look how efficiently we could have done this if could do this on a regular basis if we had a scarab. 
But he just proved that they don't need a scarab. <laughs> right. I'm very confused. He proved Basically, he proved runners, but not scarabs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I'm glad that. Okay, one, I have to say, Morgan, I am super proud of you for the fact that <laughs> you've learned what a scarab, I mean, I didn't know what a scarab was before this show, but that you you knew it well enough to be like, that's not a scarab, because I, yeah. I was fooled for a second there. Morgan, great job. Thank you. Yeah, that is weird. I don't get it. You know what I yeah. also don't get? The captain what? has binoculars over his glasses. Yep. Well, all yeah. of the scenes of like the hotel management and the land crew and all of them, they're the most awkwardly shot scenes where it's just like, yeah. all right, let's just like pan the camera like at this neck and maybe up towards the face and cut. Let's move to something else. You know how it's shot? It's shot like a Bond movie where there's like a bunch of villains commiserating. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but after all of this, uh, we see that uh, Mitch and Buzz are going to head out on the boat while Hobie and Kyle go into San Diego because Hobie hasn't been there yet. And yep. that's kind of it. Yep. Uh, Nothing says parenthood like letting your kids run around a city that they've never been in. In the 90s, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then uh, we meet up with CJ, Matt and Summer, who are all sitting around eating and the lifeguard and Stephanie come over and tell them all about how maybe the hotel will buy scarabs, which still didn't make sense. <laughs> um, I wish my brain didn't remember what scarabs were and instead remembered important things. But but that's OK. I've, I've just been irreparably broken by this podcast. So that's that's good. The podcast um, human. <laughs> we're two ghosts. Ah, um, yes. And then uh, as they're all leaving, CJ mentions the ghost that Summer saw, and Mal is uh, very interested and intrigued by the mention of this ghost. And he's like, well, it's interesting you mentioned that, because in fact, there are ghosts. Oh. And Stephanie is interested. Stephanie is more than interested. She makes the, oh shit, fuck, face. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. At that, like... Go like she absolutely accept ghosts are real. And when he says there's a mm-hmm. ghost here and she goes, there's a ghost here. Uh, <laughs> which, like, there's a ghost everywhere. Stephanie, calm down. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then we go back to summer in her room. Uh, and what's that? Some paper has caught on fire no. and she sees the ghost in the mirror. Whoa, whoa, whoa. no, 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 no. Uh, it's isn't just some paper. It's, it's the Polaroids more. from the montage. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Polaroids from the montage and Rupert appears in them like a hologram, like a holographic. I see. And then yeah. she's, she goes, who is that? And then it just lights on fire, <laughs> which is so dumb. I saw that. I could not stop laughing at this. It's so dumb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had the exact same reaction to that. I'm like, the Polaroid apparently then catches on fire while on your hand because, you know, creepy shit. Parker, <laughs> apparently it's a ghost power. Parker, did mm-hmm. you like that Rupert is an inverse vampire where he only exists in ears? <laughs> I appreciated it. Yeah, except for the times that you know he's at the top of the tower and you can see him. Apparently, he exists then. Oh, that's the mirror world <laughs> leaking. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. got it. So here, here's the thing: in the mirror world, they give amazing foreplay. 
Well, okay, so you didn't hear that joke either. Uh, okay. No, I did. It just we got, we got just a delay. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, as long as you, as long as my humor makes it way to your ears, that's what matters. <laughs> um, but yes, after that, uh, Summer runs off to go uh, find Stephanie, and Stephanie tells her that in fact there is a. Ghost. Oh, actually, um, I would like to do some Baywatch theater here. Uh, okay. One okay. of you needs to be Summer, and one of you needs to be Stephanie. Who wants to be what? I'm uh, fine either way. I guess I'll be Summer. All right. All right. So Morgan, you will be Stephanie. Parker, you will be Summer and action. It says here that 50 years ago, a man named Rupert Mansfield fell to his death from the top of the Southwest Spire. He'd been having an affair with a married socialite named Diana Sutherland. The police ruled it a suicide, but a lot of people thought it was murder. <laughs> Nobody knows what really happened. Oh, look at this. It says he was staying in room 318. Huh. Where's room 318? There is no 318. <laughs> the rooms have been renumbered. It's now room 3018. <laughs> Oh, my God, Stephanie, that's my room. What do you think he wants with me? This is Diana Sutherland. And there's Rupert Mansfield. And um, the, the renumbering from 318 to 3018 struck me as particularly dumb in the episode. Yes. I do remember that. Yeah. I do. I'm like, oh, I never would have made that connection. Yeah, it's like how like a lot of tall buildings won't have a 13th floor. It would be like instead of a 13th floor, they just had a floor that was called one three. <laughs> I actually, I would stay on that floor. That sounds awesome. <laughs> um, like, no, I'm not on the 13th floor. I'm on the one three floor. I'd like to point out the last line there um, where. OK, so at the beginning of the episode, we see Diana, who is very clearly Nicole Eggert. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. And in this picture here is very clearly not Nicole Eggert. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So I don't get the point where it's like, this is Diana and there's Rupert. And it's like, OK, there's just two people like, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. makes sense that that's Rupert because she's like, oh, that's the guy I see. But mm. that yeah. was nothing like Nicole Eggert. So, like, what would be the connection? Yes. Yeah. This I think they were trying to get that across that they look similar, but they don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they clearly didn't take a picture of Nicole. Like she probably wasn't in that day or some shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do appreciate her dropping the book when she sees the picture of Rupert. In my mind, it's her going, shit, this is going to catch on fire, too. Like the Polaroid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But let's see, we've got uh, we've got just one more scene now, mm -hmm. which is uh, that Buzz and Mitch are out on the water and Buzz apologizes for asking Mitch to watch Kyle. And because that is, in fact, an insane thing to do. Uh, and then Mitch is like, fine, I'll let Kyle live with me. And Buzz is like, ah, sweet. That totally isn't a sarcastic acceptance at all. And you're not actually mad at me at all. And this is a good thing. Thanks, <laughs> Mitch. Um, proving that he is unable to read people. But then the wind starts picking up. So what do you have to do when you're on a boat and the wind picks up? 
That's right. You got to jive, um, which I assume is a boat term. I don't know anything about boats. Um, I don't think it was specifically a boat term because no, it's a no. jib is the sail <laughs> that right. they would be dealing with. I think it's them trying to be cool. Yeah. And ah, well, it didn't work. <laughs> no, it um, did not. <laughs> um, but then uh, the wind is picking up even more and Buzz gets knocked into the water by the boom. Um, and Mitch throws him a little horseshoe made of floaties and Buzz can't grab it because he's having a heart attack all of a sudden. And then the rope slides away from the floaty mm -hmm. thing. So the boat gets swept away by the waves mm. while Mitch is in the water. And I was very confused yes. by this point, but it does make the second time in two seasons that Mitch has been stranded in the middle of the ocean. Yes, exactly. Yep. And I just noted it as the boat sails off into a cliffhanger of the next episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to be continued. Um, mm -hmm. Now, before we get into our ratings, as usual, I want to go over to IMDb ratings and both of these are unhinged, um, which is great. Um, so first up, we have Wild Bill Horn, who gave this episode a 7 out of 10 and Ooh. says and titles their review, Terrible Sailor. And so <laughs> Matt pulls the old in full view affection with friend trick to keep Summer on her toes. What is the old? Oh, it, God. That's not. Oh, is that a trick? Anyways. The it feels like some pickup artist bullshit. It does. Yeah. The inflatable love doll rescue goes well. They're headed for SeaWorld, but first they have to fight a ghost. Oh, my. Stephanie. I wish they fought a ghost. In that. I know. That would have been. That sick. episode sounds so much more exciting than what we actually watched. Yeah. Stephanie has the hots for a curly haired Melvin. Hobie. Wait, what? I know. I, I, look, I said it's unhinged. Hobie. Might get a cousin full time because his uncle's a jerk. Buzzy doesn't know that jibbing is bad. He's the worst sailor ever. <laughs> he never survived the Pacific solo. Okay. <laughs> I, yes, my issue with this episode is that jibbing is a is or isn't maybe a thing that you do. I was unclear from that. I think reason. is uh, ah, but it's bad. Yeah, I think oh. it's a thing you can do, but you, something you shouldn't do when there's high winds. I see. Now, we also have our unhinged sand crab review, 722, mm -hmm. who gives it an 8 out of 10 and says, titles their review, Sidhu Savants. Okay. Um, they say, Loopy Summer thinks a ghost is pestering her. The Biuks bro grew a stash, bubbly on the sand, weird hair does. C and a J nabs another loser, Eggert sexy Bukup. Okay, now I tried to pronounce this like it's red. Uh, mm -hmm. Here's how. It, here's what it looks like. Um, I hope I did that justice. Yes. I think the only thing you 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 missed is. Uh, the last word there is French, and it's beaucoup. I don't speak um, French. <laughs> uh, now, um, obviously, with that out of the way, it's time for us to talk about 
our rating scale. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. our season four rating scale is a scale of one to ten, where one is going through puberty a second time because you got recast, and ten is your parents are divorced, but it's okay because your dad is David Hasselhoff and he's the coolest. Parker, what would you get this episode, and what would you say that experience is? Ooh, okay. I would give this episode uh, a four out of ten, and I would call that mediocre foreplay from a ghost. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice, nice. Michael, how about you? Um, I, I'm going to give this a six, actually. Wow. Uh, okay. Um, even though it's exceptionally boring in parts, man, I had a laugh. i did not expect there to be a baywatch episode where summer gets pleasured by a ghost you know (laughs) like look that's that's just wild and like i yeah that kind of destroyed me (laughs) (laughs) like that that bumped it up like easily an extra three points um yeah this episode is dumb and I imagine it's a horrible, going to be a horrible two-parter. But just give me more of, like, the ghost sex, and I will not stop laughing. <laughs> and, well, boy, oh, boy, have I got a movie and a director for you. <laughs> uh, scary movie, too? Wayne's Brothers? Uh, and I'm going to say a six is a friend of mine... Um, Decided to take all of Morbius, but put it into a GIF. Uh, sure. Which is okay. Diabolical. That's like a two. A six is the fact that people were streaming Morbius on Twitch for 12 hours in a row and getting like 2,000 <laughs> viewers. Because that wow. sounds horrible. <laughs> Yet, yes. For maybe one or two of those playthroughs, I would probably be pretty fun. Because he would just start memeing and going, it's Morbin time, you know, all that kind of <laughs> shit. Um, but mm-hmm. Morbius, from everything I know about it, is a horrible, unfun movie. So yes. it's only a six because you can't make up for that other four missing points there because uh, it's so bad. Now, uh, Morgan, uh, what is your Morbius? I mean, rating. <laughs> Well, I, I personally more this episode a bit. Um, I thought it was decent. Um, and, you know, certainly it was kind of fun. Um, I don't have high hopes for part two. I suspect it's going to be bad. But I will give part one, uh, I'm going to say a five. Um, you know, the, the ghost stuff was just very fun, but a lot of it was pretty boring. Um, and I'm going to say that a five... Uh, you know, a five is the experience of being exactly as ghost horny as Dan Aykroyd. Like, it is a thing to be a little bit proud of, but you know you shouldn't really be proud of it. Right. Right. Exactly. Ex- exactly, <laughs> Morgan. Thank you. Uh, thank you for making sure that all of us Absolutely. feel the right amount of horny. <laughs> um, I know that's very important uh, to you and your culture. Um <laughs> Uh, now, uh, before we before we start our goodbyes, let's talk about the plot of the next episode, which is Coronado de Sol Part 2, Part 2. Um, so the Baywatch wiki says, 
Adrift in the ocean with his semi-conscious brother, Mitch struggles to keep himself and Buzzy alive through the long, cold night. CJ unites an orphan dolphin with his injured mother, and Summer becomes involved with a haunting passion. Um, Wow. Uh, Now, the IMDb description... There's an anonymous and there's a name review. The name review is the guy who always has grammatical errors, and I find that funny, so I'm going to do that guy. Um, Buzz's carelessness caused him, head wounded, and Mitch, that's not how you word a sentence, to remain floating while the yacht sails out of reach. After more strange phenomena, Matt agrees to help superstitious lover CJ find out what's true about the half-centennial hotel legend of suicidal jumper Rupert Mansfield, questioning his surviving, home-retired but seclusive beloved Diana Sutherland. What a sentence. While Mitch struggles to keep (laughs) the cannon brothers above water and in fighting spirit, their son's playful camaraderie (laughs) soon gives way to increasing worries about abandonment. But the ordeal is just what Buzz needs to come to his paternal senses, and a wholesale rescue effort succeeds just when Mitch's swim marathon reaches his exhausted end. <laughs> yeah. What? Okay. <laughs> That's a very weird <laughs> way to write ghosts. they survive. Now, yeah. um, Parker, I know you're going to be back for the next episode, unless... Yes, I, I will. I let the, the world ends or something like that. Um... <laughs> Do you have? No, then we'll just be doing it in ghost form if the world ends. Oh, that, and we'll be giving each other ghost kisses. Um, <laughs> Parker, is there anything you want? Is there anything you want to plug? You don't have to. I cannot think of a single thing to plug right now. I don't do much else. Can you plug, <laughs> can you plug Baywatch Rookie School? I can plug Baywatch Rookie School. I can do that. Hey, listeners to Baywatch Rookie School. Please continue listening to Baywatch Rookie School. I'll be back. Yes. Hopefully you liked me. If not, I'll still be back. <laughs> Our first promotion. Wow. Wowie, wowie. We <laughs> didn't pay you to say that. That is true. Unlike, unlike Vanessa Angel, uh, we didn't pay you to say anything good about us. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. I'm excited for part two. Maybe more things will happen in that episode. Now, now, Parker, are you excited to watch more Baywatch? I'm excited to watch more potential ghost horniness. Wow. Well, excellent. Do I have a show for you? It's called Baywatch Nights. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have me guest star when you guys start doing that. Give it a yeah. few years. Come back in four years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think with that, all that's left to say is thank you all so much for listening to this spooky episode of Baywatch Rookie School. If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I am at Morgan P. Thrap. I am at Snotsnit, S-N-O-T-S-N-I-T. We'll see you next week. And just remember... No one does little kissies like a ghost. I was going to say that maybe you should go with like a spooky version of hip flip. Because <laughs> that feels apt, right? Yeah. 
Can you imagine, like, Rupert going hip slips, fingertip? <laughs> that was actually what was happening in the scene in, in the bedroom at night. That was just what he was doing. Mm. Yeah, he's telling everybody to remember when you go to the party, your hip slips and fingertips. Yep. That's what's important. Yeah, hips, hip slips and fingertips is his mnemonic for foreplay. <laughs> 